We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's got 60 seconds. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. When was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise Bank is a trusted business partner that can serve anyone, anywhere. Uh, they served the uh, KCSN draft guy. They did it wonderfully. It was absolutely great. Uh, to be working with them on that. And it's absolutely great to be here with my wonderful, beautiful, dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Matthew Lane, that shirt is fantastic. You like it? Do you, do you know Do you know where I got it, Kent? I don't. Matthew, where? So I got it from, and you guys might know this being the Kansas City area, from Charlie Hustle. So here at KCSN... One of our newest partners that we're super excited to be working with is Charlie Hustle. We all got this new gear. We're going to have some other stuff, I do believe, for everybody coming up in the near future. But we're so excited to get a deal done, have be working with them now. Because let me tell you, these shirts, not only do they look fantastic, these colors are popping. They're soft. They're comfortable. They fit well. You got the tall slender man over there and Craig fits him nice. <laughs> Myself ordering a child's medium fits nice and snug all the right spots. Like it fits perfectly for everybody. So, you know, you know where you need a t-shirt, go to Charlie hustle. Slender Craig, man. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm so happy that Charlie hustle has a chief's tech mobile shirt. Like this is, this is exactly what I needed in my life. Glad to have it. Glad to be doing this with you guys. Glad to have some Chiefs football this weekend. An actual real thing is happening. They are going to hit each other, Leo Chanel, right now 
is beside himself. He is absolutely beside himself. That man's been waiting to hit somebody for way too long since the college football season ended. So this is his week, but it's also our week as well. I'm really, really excited to overanalyze some preseason stuff this week. I'm just, I'm just picturing Leo Chanel like with a frame picture of Justin Fields. And he's just, <laughs> he's just staring at it. Just, he's just, he's just ready to hit somebody. Um, he's mad that Nikhil Harry isn't going to be running any crossing routes in front of him now. He can't lay somebody out. He's, he's just upset. Wait, and Nikhil Harry runs. Oh, <laughs> save that for the preseason game preview. We'll Are we going to we'll do that? that? Are we doing a preseason game preview? I don't of know. Course. Absolutely. <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about? More 10, 10, 10 practices come Wednesday? Like, no, we're gonna, we got to talk about that. I just, you know, I didn't know if we were going to season preview or if we were going to, you know, preview the, you know, Ryan Poles QB3 battle. I mean, mm. you know. Well, okay, listen, while everyone's here, thank you guys for stopping by, joining us, listening, and checking us out. Stop. Hit the like and subscribe button right now, and then look over in your chat and tell us: Do, do you guys do you are you, do you guys side with Kent and you don't want a preview of the upcoming Chiefs football game that's being played this weekend, or do you side with Craig and I and you would love us to talk about the upcoming this week within the next seven days the Chiefs will be playing football and you want us to talk about it? Let us know in the chat after you hit like and subscribe and comment. Hey, look, it's only Wednesday, and you know, in true football coach fashion, I just take it day by day. I didn't know what was on the docket for Wednesday. I wasn't prepared, you know, for, for that show. I'm focused Kit, on the now. Kit, buddy, you gotta keep chopping wood. I mean, <laughs> you, you really you just gotta keep going, man. You did not emphasize that the correct way. I d I can't and I won't. I won't try. I <laughs> uh we going great. We have uh, we have a lot to discuss today. Uh, Matthew at one point is going to uh, bring a game out, I believe. Uh, or is youth is youthful Regis making an appearance today? I don't know. You, you kind of upset him last time. You you invoked <laughs> his name, so I don't know. We'll have to. We might have to bribe him. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if he's around. Okay. Well, we'll have to find out. But I think you know it's probably worth just talking. You know, since the last time we've kind of had a chance to all be together talking, just maybe some of the key storylines that we've picked up on the last few days of practice. Uh, and let's just give Matthew off the top. What's the storyline that you uh, you've kind of noticed recently uh, when it comes to this team? I think the McCool Hardman has gotten a lot more buzz these last few days throughout the last couple of days they've been practicing. And I don't mean that it's like not worthwhile or anything. It's just, it took the first few days of camp or the first week of camp to get going before everybody kind of, the hype train circled back to McCool, and now he's made a lot of nice plays. We've seen him; his route running looks pretty crisp. He's actually making some sharp breaks this year. He's mm -hmm. looking better as a route runner. I think, Kent, you had tweeted out that his whip route, which used to be Ooh. a very, very interesting route to watch, now resembles a real whip route, like a pretty good <laughs> whip route across the middle of the field. Nice. And then he's made a couple really nice adjustments on the ball downfield. The first, I think, day of padded practice, he kind of got caught. I believe it was on a Joshua Williams play where he wasn't really attacking the ball. He was kind of letting it come to him, which is something McColl has done throughout his time in the NFL. Since then, we've seen him come out with a few different highlights of going up to attack the football at the, at the highest point, going out there to get it much like you see MVS or Juju or Travis Kelsey go do. So we like seeing that from McColl. Now, I do want to pause with one bit of hesitation, just one little bit, yeah, with McColl. Every one-on-one -on -one rep he gets is against a rookie third or fourth string cornerback. 
He does not go up against Trent McDuffie. He does not go up against LeJarrius Sneed in one-on-ones ever. And I don't think that matters. I think I saw a story that um, I believe it was Derek Stingley wanted to go up against Brandon Cooks in training camp. And the coaching staff said, no, we're not going to let you guys do that. We don't need to do that right now. So it's not like they're always putting their best corner versus best wide receiver. I just think it's interesting that you never see McColl going up against the Chiefs' clear top one or two corner. I do think it matters if you're routing up a day three rookie that, or an undrafted free agent rookie cornerback rather than a guy drafted in the first round that's been in the NFL. That said, I'm not trying to poo-poo on the hype train. I think McColl's been very good. It's just I think you got to take it with a little grain of salt given the competition that he seems to always be lined up again in these videos of one-on-ones. I will say this. It seems like there is a very clear focus to get McDuffie against MVS. Length against the lack of length. And you've seen it grow throughout the the rest of it. Leave Trent over here. We'll maybe get there in a little bit. And it does seem like they are matching up Sky Moore against Legereus Neat on purpose. Like they're, they're trying to get iron sharpening iron for some of those rookies, some of those guys that they expect to contribute. So it's not necessarily like they're they're not hiding McColl. I, I think that there is a clear focus with those wide receivers versus those cornerbacks on purpose to work them out. That being said, yes, I, I do want to see it happen against an improvement in competition, but my goodness, I, this is the best that McColl has looked at this point in the season, easily. Of everything that we've seen so far, this is the best that he's looked. He's running more of a complete route tree. He's much more crisp, much more precise, you know, it, it has been so much better. And that should excite people because if they get good McColl, holy crap, like they've got enough other pieces to be excited about adding another element in a very good McColl Hardman. It's not just gadget plays and things like that that are very, very, very much a part of this offense and can be very successful in this offense. Adding those other elements just is going to make this Chiefs offense a lot more scary. What I'm interested in when it comes to McColl is what changes in a real game, how it changes in a real game, if that makes sense. Because like we know he has a very defined role, but what areas of the field do we think that he's made strides and progress on to the point that he's going to be getting more opportunities when they're, yes, like he's running a better rip whip route, but like in some of the areas where you're seeing a whip route run is where does he stack up on the guys you want running that? Right. And so, like, I think that's where I get a little bit curious. One of the things that w- could be really valuable, though, is I think I think you can make a logical assumption is like just building off of what he's good at and what he does a lot of is an, is valuable enough where the rip whip route could come into consideration, for instance, is the Chiefs like to run him underneath on a lot of drag routes. OK, so if he can run a decent enough whip route, maybe that's an opportunity for them to hey pivot flip right back outside the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the other direction. Like it's kind of building off some of the, you know, it's creating logical progressions to what he's mm-hmm. done and what he's had success doing. Now that's where I, I, I don't know if it's just going to be this completely, like he's never going to be the guy running all your option routes. Like that's just not who he is. He's not a guy that's going to be sitting there in the middle of the field, being trusted to run a lot of different stuff. I don't think, but if you can build some more logical progressions off of what he does well, I think that can just only help this football team. It's just, I'm curious what, a improved McCall Hardman looks like within the context of the offense. That's what it's kind of, that's where I'm just kind of trying to work, you know, rack my brain. 
And well, it's and like think... we were talking about last year, running running like a hook, running a curl or something like that, adding it to the vertical plane that we know that he can run, adding that element, again, just like Ken is talking about, playing off of the things that the defense expects you to do, the ways that you've been using, you know, utilized, having that secondary option is so important. So that whip is incredibly important in his route tree. Go ahead, Manny. Well, I think you, I was going to say, I think you've seen it with the way the Chiefs have used them too. Not only is he lining up against Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson or Nizzy Johnson, all of his routes are coming from the outside. Even when mm-hmm. you look at one-on-one, the whip route was, I believe, a condensed set. So he was in the slot then technically, if I remember correctly. But the majority of his one-on-one reps are being run from out by the numbers. The majority of the times you see him in team, he's the outside guy. He's not really working against Boodle. He's not really working against Sneed. In these situations, you don't see him running the slot route tree a ton from what we see. I Obviously, he can. He's done it before in Kansas City. But if we're talking about leaning on his strengths, that's not where his strength has been. Like, it sounds easy. Put the fast guy in the slot so guys can't get their hands on him and let him run. But that's usually where you're going to have a more precise route runner, somebody that's usually a little bit better at making cuts, working off a two-way go. That hasn't been his strength so far in the NFL. So it looks like they're trying him out outside, and I don't think that's a downgrade by any stretch. I just think that's where they're putting him. It looks like he's kind of slotted in as their Z wide receiver right now. It looks like he is the guy getting the majority of those Mm -hmm. kind of reps. And that's where he's been having success in camp. So that's good. You love to see it. I just think it's probably going to catch a few people by surprise when you come out and you see McCall Hardman play on the outside 75% of the time, because that's kind of been a knock in his game up to this point, but it looks like he's getting a little bit better at the line of scrimmage. He's understanding spacing a little bit better. So I think, this will be a good season for him to determine what his future is going to hold. But so far, it looks better. Yeah. All right, Craig. Yeah. Oh, do you have more? Do you have more? No, on him? no. I was just going to say he stands to make a lot of money if he if he operates well in that Z role. If he's not just going to be a slot guy, like <laughs> the Z role is going to get him paid. Contract years undefeated. Mm-hmm. Shout out Therese. Uh Give me a storyline, Craig. What do you got? Trent McDuffie. I mean, I, I alluded to him already. I mean, they purposefully put. Marquez Valdez Gantling up against him immediately because they wanted to test him against Link. That is the thing. When McDuffie was drafted, we love the player. There are questions about the length. That is the first time a guy with that short of arms has gone that high in the NFL draft in modern history. So there's a reason why a bunch of teams passed on him and the Chiefs went right to work trying to get him up against those types of guys trying to get him those sorts of looks and early on it was a little bit shaky in some of those contested catch situations and it was a lack of size it was a lack of ability to go up and contend at the catch point and he has taken a clear focus from this coaching staff over the last week or so of playing through the hands of the receiver so you may get your hands on this ball, but as you're bringing it back into your body, Trent McDuffie's not going to allow it. We have seen now multiple, multiple occasions that Trent McDuffie has raked through the hands of the receiver and come up with a PBU on a route from a bigger guy who was able to get his hands on the ball. That is amazing. That is incredible. That is exactly what you want to see on a growth curve of a guy. You don't expect it to happen that quickly, but that is a testament to him the player and the kind of player that he is that he can take that coaching point, interpret it to the field immediately. And then the one that I loved, you know, that happened yesterday, Trent McDuffie on the back hip of MBS and coming across the body. That's something that he is going to struggle with against bigger guys, able to stay in the hip pocket, come across the body and get his hands on the ball 
at the catch point. That's immense. That is incredible because if he can do that, if he can play through the hands of the receiver after the catch point and get his hands on some at the catch point, there is no reason why he can't be a number one corner in this league despite the length. So it's great to see already. I know it's it's optimum season, right? optimism season right now, but man, Trent McDuffie has looked phenomenal in his growth curve so far. I just love the process for him because like we've talked about like a lot, like the intentionality of playing through the hands this entire time that we've had visibility on him. Like it's just been obvious. Like that is like the, the coaching point of emphasis that they're prioritizing with him. And like they have, well, no kidding. You're supposed to put, yeah, no, I, I saw some of those comments on Twitter when I said something, I was like, no, like, Yes, every cornerback is supposed to do it, but this is like they look at this as like a key point of emphasis for him to take the next step. And you know what? There's kind of a difference between playing the ball and playing through the hands. And they're kind of playing it more through the hands than they really are truly playing the football. Like that's what they kind of seem foundationally they're trying to build with him is it's more like we're going to just play through the hands. It doesn't seem like they're always he's always necessarily playing the ball at times too. And sometimes it's just, you know, it's just a leverage, you know, an issue for him. And he's just got to be really focused and intentional on playing at that point. But the growth there has been really tremendous. And like we, I got really geeked out a couple of days. It was yesterday or today. Like I can't remember. Like there's just been a couple of plays from him recently that are just showing that, you know, that advance in his game. That's a big step for him. That's something we, we stressed so much and discussed all the time is like, okay, like length's the problem cornerbacks with his arm length haven't been drafted in the first round in the last 10 years right craig was it 10 years so like yes it's since 2010 at least that i have data from but it's probably earlier than that i haven't gone back any further so i mean he is he is a anomaly with some of his measurables but everything that you like about trent mcduffie showing up early and that's so much fun to watch I think it was big. Like they had their break in camp, and up until that point, I don't think Trent McDuffie was bad by any stretch. But I think you saw the, the struggles. This is a guy coming predominantly from his own system at Washington to now all of a sudden he's kicking over to the Chiefs, which they're still playing zone. But there's a lot of man coverage, especially here in training camp. And you're looking at some of these one on ones or some of these you know plays that you've seen. He's in man coverage. That's already a little bit of an adjustment. A guy coming from a zone heavy approach now has to play man. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing man coverage against NFL athletes every single play, and then you're doing it as guys much bigger than you. So now, not only are you working on your man coverage ability, you're trying to figure out how, at your size, which is you know not ideal length to go up against bigger receivers, how to play in phase and be in this trail technique, but still be able to get to the ball. And I think what you were seeing is a corner that was overreacting to head nods and to pressure and jab steps because he has to undercut routes. He can't play on the back hip of these big guys when they're making hard outbreaks or breaks back to the quarterback. He can't be there. He has to undercut it. And I think that's how you got him getting sent, you know, to Pluto on Juju Smith-Schuster on that first day <laughs> where he made the diving catch. He has to overreact to cuts like that if he's already in phase. I think what you're starting to see, though, he's getting more comfortable playing. For him, it's almost out of phase because he just doesn't have the length to get back to the football. He's getting more comfortable being there. And then as Ken's alluding to, playing the wide receiver's hands at the catch point rather than trying to play the ball on the way to the catch point. It's a comfort thing. I think he's looked a lot better at it. So coming out of this break, it looks like that little mental break he got from the day off, maybe having a lighter practice really helped because he looks like he's strung together his best two practices at camp these last two days. So I mean, that's great. That's what you want to see from a young guy. Do you think 
Not that Steve Spagnuolo never enjoyed this guy or anything like that. You know, I think Spags is Spags liked his football character, liked him. It. Do you think Spags is sitting back at this point and going, "Yep, that was the right pick"? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think watching? Bro, um, I mean, we, I, no, no, nope. see. You don't think nope. so? He's still. I think, I think my I think he's still sitting there etching the word length into any rock he can find. He does <laughs> he he's brought up length a few times. I will say when I listen to Steve and like we're kind of grasping here a little bit. Like I don't we're not saying that Steve Spagnolo is unhappy Steve with Steve likes him. Don't yeah, don't admit, don't this is just outside of his norm. And he actually said, like, hey, length's what I like, uh, when he was in his most recent press conference. Just you know. Uh but yeah, no, I th- I think he's he's by all indications from C. Spagnuolo, he's been very happy uh, with with uh, with Trent McDuffie as he should be because he's 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 playing well, he's Good. getting better, he's making progress. The lights lights are coming on a lot and very quickly for him, and that's been very enjoyable to watch. You know what else has been very enjoyable to watch? Uh, everyone using uh, the term "pachiks." <laughs> I've seen so many people. Calling Isaiah Pacheco Pacheeks, and it just heartens me. <laughs> the problem one is nickname, he has right. a real nickname. The problem is he has another nickname. This doesn't. This so what do we so What do we do with this? This hasn't stopped us before. I don't Listen, know. We, I don't think we've tried to override a nickname. We tried to add a nickname, unwanted, but I don't know if we've tried to override a nickname. I think that we do whatever Isaiah Pacheco wants, Pacheeks. and I'm just going to secretly in the back of my mind every time i'm gonna say pacheeks so hey uh if you like isaiah pacheco hit the like button hit the subscribe (laughs) button leave a comment about how much you like isaiah pacheco and what you guys think we should be calling him uh because we're about to talk about him isaiah pacheco is my storyline and it's really cool to see the buzz kind of starting to go outside of your you know everyone that's at camp and, and putting in the work there uh on the beat is has been making great comments about isaiah pacheco and now you're starting to see a little bit more national buzz we saw i believe kevin clark talk about it unprompted some of the uh nfl person uh, the chiefs personnel talking about uh, isaiah pacheco uh you saw uh brett coleman talking about uh on twitter today if you're on twitter brett brett coleman talking about isaiah pacheco and how you should have him in every uh fantasy draft format you possess and our dear buddy Eric Galco also concurring. Those are good people to be paying attention to when it comes to someone like Isaiah Pacheco uh, and the Chiefs. So um, I think he's a big storyline. And we talked about him a lot, I think, when he was drafted. I think we put a sixth, seventh round grade on him. Probably might have been a little bit too low. I think we had Jerry Neely higher than him, un- unfortunately. But um, yeah, Isaiah Pacheco does a lot of things that can make a football team and like the mentality of taking a grown man's job. I know that was the, the soundbite that everybody listened to right when he was drafted, but he backs it up with how he plays and the things he emphasizes as a player. He's willing to be on special teams. He's willing to do the dirty work as a pass protector. He's a hard runner and he's committed to, to, you know, doing what it takes to make this football team. That has all shown up so far in training camp. You've seen, you know, you've seen him, you know, getting some opportunity on, on in the return game and he's been playing some other special teams running hard, but also like, man, I think he got better in the passing game. 
Like that's one of the things that's really impressed me. I didn't really think he was a particularly dynamic receiver when it, when he's coming out. Like I thought, you know, he was capable of operating the basic staples, the the swings, you know, the screen game. But I mean, there's even in a few things outside of those traditional looks that he's had some success in. I get why the arrow is pointing up on Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I, I I gotta call attention to a comment that we just received. Craig looks like a gold rush era minor doing a podcast with his two adult sons, <laughs> Sophia. I couldn't agree more. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I we I appreciate that. I like that. I think that's a perfect um but look, Craig's as red as his t-shirt now, too. So this is even I'm, I'm old enough to be their their father, too. So that's it, it's special. Yes. Huckers. <laughs> All right, so back to Pop, and Pop is Isaiah Pacheco's nickname, according to others on the roster and people that have known him. So out of respect, we will be calling him Pop for now on and nope. no longer Pacheeks. We will nope. respect him. Um, here's the thing. I really liked – I mean, one, the first part I really experienced we had with Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco was watching him at the Shrine Bowl, and it was, I think, our my first practice there. You guys might have seen him a little bit the day before, but there was just a play where he caught a little swing pass and just the way he was moving down the sideline, I turned to Craig and I go, that dude's scooting right there. And that's all I said and, like, didn't know much about him. I had to watch him later, got to talk to him while we were there. It was great, super intense. But everything he does is just fast and explosive and violent. And I think you get that when you listen to him talk and his demeanor. And the Chiefs really like it. And the thing that I've kind of grown on me more and more, I think the Chiefs see a lot of Damian Williams in him. I really, And I get it. I fully understand why you see Damian Williams in it. It's a guy that – is super explosive, super fast, bigger, more powerful than you think. He's going to hit one cut and he's going to go. There's not a lot of wiggle. He's not really trying to go around guys. He's going to run through them despite maybe not being the biggest back, but he's super fast. The one difference is I think there's potential that he'll be able to operate on more than just kind of outside zone runs. Like I, at Rutgers, he showed flashes of being able to do man or gap scheme stuff. And that's stuff that Damian Williams always struggled with. I think the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. I wouldn't be surprised if you get that comparison at some point in time in the next couple of years over him, because they really do kind of run in a similar style, always trying to get upfield as quick as possible, relying on their speed and physicality. Then you tie in the ability as a receiver, their willingness and ability to be a pass protector. It's all there. I think, it, yeah, it, earlier than expected, the media, the national media hype is real. It's coming out for a reason. I do think he's going to contribute a lot earlier than a lot of people would have thought. And the best part is he's a home run hitter. Like, I think that's the thing that uh, Damien Williams. I'm sorry. What? No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no. The comparison Scoop continues. Pacheeks. Scoop Pacheeks is, is <laughs> no, uh, Isaiah Pacheco is a home run hitter. That was the thing. Like, it, again, when we're at these all-star games, you see guys, you know, in practices, even, you know, when you're out at training camp and you watch guys move and you see guys that just jump out at you and you're like, wow, that guy moves differently than everybody else. Like he just looks different when, when he cuts, when he takes those first couple steps, like you see that with sky more in his explosion. You we've grown accustomed to Tyree kill, just moving different differently than every other human being on the planet. But when we were out there at the shrine game, like Maddie said, like every time Pacheco caught the ball, every time he was running outside, every time he put his foot in the ground and cut, like, the next three steps, everybody's angle was wrong. Like, he, he was blowing past guys. Now, we'll see if that happens at the NFL level, but he's got that Damian Williams ability to play on third downs, pass protect, 
run some of the stuff that Williams ran, run some of the extra stuff like Batty was saying, and be a home run hitter. You know, he he runs a four three seven forty. He's not slow. He's he's fast, man. So like, not gonna be like Damian Williams gonna run away from everybody level fast, but he is certainly the fastest back that the Chiefs have in their backfield right now, and that's impressive for a seventh round rookie who has all these traits last of the seventh round because you know you got to work with him on some stuff now to be shifting in with the ones like guys like that on in an Andy Reid camp we've seen it time and time again you you might look at it as like the way that Jerry on Ely has been used you see him rotating in with some special teams work you see him rotating in with the twos every once in a while you don't see him with the ones Isaiah Pacheco is not only working with the ones on offense he is the first team kick returner right now and has been throughout most of camp so he's making the roster like he is a roster lock for Dave Tobe alone. But I think we will be surprised how much we truly see him used in the offense. I do think that they're going to try out a couple guys as the third down back for a little while here. I am not going to be shocked if by the end of the year, Isaiah Pacheco has a lot more of the workload than we're even expecting right now with all the hype that everything's got. That's an excellent point, dad. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it's game time. Matthew Lane, you have a game for us. Is it, or is it Matthew Lane or is it, youth, is it Youthful Regis? Well, What's happening no, here? I'm going to explain the game because I, I have a cheat sheet. I have a sheet here and everything since you always call in to question the integrity of this game. I have a sheet. I have answers already marked down. There is no cheating in this game, Kent. So oh. you're going to have to deal with it if you lose. Now, I guess, I guess Youthful Regis isn't here because that's the only thing that happens when he's around. Oh, this guy. So there, this is the rule. It's a Jeopardy style game. There's only going to be three categories up to 300 because we don't have four hours to go through a full on game. The difference is, here's the difference. Instead of just getting to steal if someone gets it wrong, if you want to offer up another answer and make your case for it, you can do it freely on your turn. I'm not going to tell you that you can't just try to steal off the rip. <laughs> I've got a correct answer written down, but I'm willing to accept alternative Matt, oh, answers. Absolutely. Matt had a perfectly easy Welcome, everybody, to the newest edition of the KCSN Training Camp Jeopardy Game Show. Youthful Regis checking in. Kent, I have heard everything you have said, so you're going to go first. Your categories are stats, snaps, or miscellaneous for one, two, or $300. 
Uh, let's go with snaps for $100. Snaps for $100 is a yes or no question. Will Brian Cook play more snaps than Elijah Lee? Yes, because the dime or the nickel personnel will be out on the field a lot more frequently. And the, or the dime personnel will be, yep. 100 points to the kid, Kent Swanson. Now, see, I'm going to contend because Brian Brian Cook is going to be playing in the dime, not the nickel. So technically, Kent is wrong in that. So I corrected myself. They're going to be in the dime more than the base. Um, uh, I like this interjection. So zero points will be awarded for this answer. Craig, you are up next. Now, snaps for 100 is off the board, but you have stats, snaps, or miscellaneous. Oh, we're going to go miscellaneous for 300, baby. Oh, that's the way I like not being a coward. This is why you're the champion. <laughs> Sky Moore will have more snaps as a singular player in the backfield than Tyreek Hill did in a, any of his seasons with the Chiefs. And if you're wondering, the maximum number was 38 snaps for Tyreek Hill lined up in the backfield. Sky Moore will surpass that number this year, yes or no? No. Sky Moore is a more polished receiver than Tyreek Hill was coming into Andy Reid's offense and the backfield was a little bit weaker in some of those scenarios. So I think we're going to see more of a rotation. The depth in the backfield is bigger. They're they're going to want to see Pacheco out there. They're going to want to see Jet out there. They're going to want to see Clyde. I think that Sky Moore's value out of the slot isn't going or is going to prove to be too much. And so he won't be in the backfield for 38 snaps. Do I sense an interjection from the kid, Kent Swanson? Yes, and the reason is because uh, Andy didn't have a year's worth of Debo in the backfield from Shanahan to watch before Sky Morris or before Tyreek Hill. So I will take the over on the 38 because I think Andy is more willing to adapt some of the stuff that he might have seen from Shani. Kent jumps out to a surprising early lead, stealing 300 from Craig. What I have here from notes from Maddie is that um, they're putting him in the they're putting him in the backfield a lot if they don't plan on actually utilizing it a little bit. We're also looking at a wide receiver group a lot more talented than when Tyreek Hill came onto that, his team. That's also true. <laughs> so there's if they want to get Sky Moore out there, I think they might have to put him back there, even if it doesn't result in direct touches. I mean, if you're looking at 38, we're talking what three, four a game, and once he gets to four a game, that's a lot. I, it is, but I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility when you're trying to get the best athlete out there. Um, I also see Sophia asking Hardman may get some of those. As an actual player lined up in the backfield, he's only gotten, I think, four was his max. He gets a lot of jet motion. They don't line him up as a running back often. As He's either the Wildcat quarterback or he's in motion. So I do think I'm leaning Sky Moore there. That's the undoubted, unquestionable correct answer because this is not subjective at all. The kid, you are up next. Stats, snaps, or miscellaneous? Let's go. Uh, let's go. Uh, snaps for three hundred. Ooh, who leads the Kansas City Chiefs running back room in third down snaps? Ooh, screw it, Isaiah Pacheco. Because I don't think Jarek McKinnon's making the team. I think he's going to get put on ice until week eight. Ooh. So give me Isaiah Pacheco as the passing right, down answer. and the pass protector. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm going with. Any interjection? No, it's going to be Clyde because Clyde's going to get like the first nine or 10 weeks of the season at minimum. I just don't, I, 
listen, as much as we love Isaiah Pacheco and his workload is going to ramp up at the end of the year and next year is probably a really, really big year for him, Clyde has earned the trust of this team. He's going to be RB1. He's going to get a lot of work. I I think Clyde's going to get a lot of the third down work early. The expected comeback begins for the gold miner <laughs> as Craig picks up 300 points on the steal here. So is, all right, so who's on first? Is, is Clyde playing first and second down too? So or is this just like a, is this not a committee anymore? Well, Mr. Jet's out? not making the team. Does that mean Rojo is? I think Rojo, keeping Rojo and Clyde. Rojo's playing early downs. I, so I, here's I, here's I, my general I, logic. I don't think that they're going to completely give up on Clyde Edwards-Helaire's best trait that everybody knew coming out of college was his ability to be a receiver. I get it. His pass protection, protection has been questionable at best, but he's still their best pure receiver at the running back position or route runner, I guess yeah. I should say, at the running back position. Hmm. I think he will get enough early in the year and throughout the game. Now, high leverage situations, okay. two-minute drill, okay. But do we think that do we think Clyde's passing game prowess is going to be best reflected on third down when he's staying in to protect chip and swing or or the early down passing game? Like I feel like that's where he could actually get a lot of work is the early down passing game where he's throughout actually game, running a yes. more advanced route tree. I think throughout the game, yes, because I think I think it'll essentially just build up that you're not going to want to make this substitution every single third down. I'm I don't think they're going to want to make a substitution every single third down to pull him off the field. If they just get to third and six, are they really going to slow everything down to make this adjustment every single time? I think he'll just stack some up. I just, I think it's the time. I think this is kind of a make or break year. They're going to give him every opportunity. I just don't feel comfortable saying a seventh round rookie is going to jump in immediately but and take that role. I just, I do we feel comfortable with Clyde and pass? The answer has been spoken. Craig <laughs> picks up 300 points. I will deduct points from you if you continue. Can't you are already have snaps or miscellaneous? Just the man, the man encouraged interjections, and now he's trying to penalize for this game. Is, Wait, he already did. You already uh, penalized me. Tucker, mute Kent, Craig, pick subject. <laughs> What's the other 300 pointer that we haven't done yet? Stats. Is that what you would okay. like? Let's do I it. I want to give you bonus points for not being a coward. Who finishes second on the Chiefs defense in interceptions this year? Ooh, I really love this one. I am going to say Justin Reed is going to finish second in the Chiefs in interceptions. He's going to play a little bit in the box. He is clearly never leaving the field. He's going to rotate deep in some of those two high looks. I think number one is going to be Legereus Neat. I think that he's going to get his hands on a lot of passes this year. He should have had a bunch last year, and he certainly did his rookie year. Justin Reed, I think, is going to be the beneficiary of being kind of that whole defender that Spags had put Tyron Matthew in in a lot of these things. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities to undercut routes, trick quarterbacks into throwing him the ball. So I'm going with Justin Reed, number two on interceptions. Any... I mean, he took he took the right answer. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'll make, you guys argue, both... I'll make an argument for Juan Thornhill, though. Okay. Like, unless it's gonna, unless I'm gonna lose points. No, no, no. You can make that argument. I would persuade you to make a different argument than that one, but you can continue down that path if you I, like. He no, wants I, you to argue for Willie. Shh. Let him come to this decision <laughs> on his own. I don't want to argue for Willie because if you're telling me to argue for Willie, that means I'm about to lose points. Do you have an argument for Willie? 
Matthew. Me, yeah, he was tied for yeah. second in interceptions last year, yeah. and he's clearly their best coverage linebacker on the team, bar none right now, and he's looked even better this year in training camp in terms of undercutting everything over the middle of the field. You take Tyron Matthew out of there, who was clearly their best ball production player on defense. You replace. I think Justin Reed should be number one. Legereus needs made a lot of ball production, but I think playing in the slot, it's hard to come away with, I think, a lot of interceptions. I think it's a difficult position to make a lot of plays on the football there because you are dealing with a player consistently attacking you directly. I think Willie Gay is 100% going to finish in the top three on this team in interceptions. Mm -hmm. I went top two here, though, just because of how good he's finished. And you look at last year, how many times did he get his hand on a ball that he didn't pull in? Or how many times was he just a couple inches away from coming away with one after having two, I believe it was last year? He's had mm -hmm. three in his career already. I, I don't think the bar's that high. So if he comes up to three this year, which is completely doable for what he does, that, that's the correct answer. So no one gets points on this one. That's whoa, what's, that was whoa, the correct whoa, answer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That nope. man doesn't play in the dime. Like, hold on. <laughs> that, that, that man's missing out on 30% of the snaps this season. Slow Didn't stop him last year. Didn't stop him last year. <laughs> you can make your case for Juan Thornhill, though. I'm good. Okay, so no points are awarded. But Kent, you are Kent. One, you're still in this game. It's tied 300-300. So you need to you need to pep up here. What are you doing? That's nice. You need a halftime. You need to call a timeout. You need to get Tucker. Oh, it was four hundred to three hundred. We need a commercial break. Pick yeah. a subject. I think we need a commercial break. No, before we just <laughs> and we're back. Kid Swanson, the kid is up. Do you want stats for two hundred or one hundred? Do you want snaps? For Miscellaneous 200? for two hundred. What percentage of the snaps does Frank Clark play in twenty twenty two to Ooh. the nearest fifth percent? So you just a five, a multiple of five. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, I think he's going to see a snap reduction this year. I am going to go with uh, 65%, 60% of the total snaps this year. I think that would put him a little bit under what he did play. Are we counting the game? Yeah, I think that, I think that'll put him under, give me 60%. Nah, he, he's going to be closer <laughs> to 70%. They're using, they're using Frank up. Uh, Close your answer, and 70? I know before before everybody starts to go in on the whole, well, you know, he, he didn't play that much. He didn't do that much. Frank Clark led the defensive line in snaps once again last season. I mean, he all he does, even when he's not healthy, he is still the guy. He was at 60% last year when he missed a bunch of games. And he missed a bunch of time. He was clearly going through a whole bunch of stuff. Hey, look, I if think, we know anything about Matthew Lane, he takes everything literally. So he's probably going to count. Or, I'm sorry, youthful Regis. He's probably going to count those three games missed, too. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's he's playing 70% of the snaps. I think they're going to have a healthy rotation on it. But I also think, based on what we saw last year, Frank tried to be on the field as much as possible, especially in two-minute situations. The Chiefs probably going to be in a bunch at the end of games, trying to rush the passer, trying to get after it a little bit. I'm saying his snap count goes up from last year. I'm going with 70%. 70% was the answer that I wrote down. I went with a small increase from what last year's was because he is, quote unquote, according to him and multiple people in the best shape. 
I do also, I'm going to take that a little literally right now. He looks it. And as Craig pointed out, the Chiefs are probably trying to use him up as they know he's going in to this final year now. So I think that's why I'm leaning about 70%. I mean, you look through his career, even when he was a rotational player, since or not rotational, I guess, but in a rotation with Seattle, 67%, 67%. Then he jumped to 74 when he was finally the guy. The Chiefs over 70% every year that he's been healthy. And it doesn't matter how good or not good he's been during those stretches he plays. I think it will continue that direction. For a quick score update, guys, not scoring a lot of points here somehow. Getting a lot of questions wrong. What kid, are we, the, the Jets? Kid with 300. Craig. With 500 points right now. That is where we are sitting as we head into this commercial break. Brought to you by the like and subscribe button seen right there on your screen. Click it. Support the show. If you want the game show to ever come back, click it. If you want the game show to never come back, click it. It's a win-win for everybody. And we continue. Kent, you need to make up some ground here. Do you want stats for 100? Stats for 200? Snaps for 200? Uh, stats for 200. Which tight end finishes second in touchdowns for the Chiefs? Uh, the answer is Jody Fortson. He is a red zone machine. He is a guy that was highly productive in the red zone relative to the rest of his statistics. Um, I know he's got an issue right now with his quad. I expected to get worked out. They felt they found confidence, uh, in utilizing him in the red zone last year. Um, Travis Kelsey still going to be tied tied in one in scoring, but I think Jody Fortz is going to surprise some people with some red zone production. So give me my 200 points. I mean, yeah, it it is Jody Fortson, but including the preseason, it's going to be Matt Bushman, who's going to put together several multiple touchdown games in the preseason to stay on the board. I was looking for someone to say Noah Gray. Um, here no. actually, I uh, no, I was, I was looking for it. Listen, this is the training camp edition. Okay. Training camp. Who is making all the waves in training camp? Noah Gray. Jody Even the okay. biggest Jody okay. fans have started talking about Noah Gray running with the ones. Noah Gray looking good. Noah Gray doing stuff. I just, you know, I wanted someone to make Look, an argument. He wasn't. Think... Sorry, I'll let you go. No, go. Continue. Jody Fortson was the correct answer. I just want someone to make the Noah Gray argument. I think Noah Gray's. I think Noah Gray's reporting has been a little bit empty calories. How many amazing catches has Noah Gray had versus how many completions in the flat drags under all that kind of stuff? As as you know, what helps score touchdowns? Being on the football field, and Noah Gray seems to be on the football field with the ones a lot. That's all I'm saying. He does. He fair. does, That's all I'm saying. but they're also working a lot of zone insert and gap scheme stuff that we know they're not going to run. So <laughs> someone's a little bitter. We're all tied up. We're at 500 points, and it's coming to you, Craig. What's okay. left on the board? Miscellaneous 100 snaps for 200 stats for 100. What's it going to oh, be? We're going 200. 200. Who is the starting cornerback three for Week One for the Kansas City jo- Chiefs? Oh, Joshua Williams. Uh, I don't think Rashad Fenton's going to be quite ready to go by then. I I think even if he's back in the fold off of Pup, I think that you're going to see him eased in a little bit more. Now, he doesn't necessarily need to. He knows the scheme. But I think they're going to try out the rookie. They've certainly tried out the rookie plenty so far throughout camp. He's going to get first shot at it. Now, if he struggles a little bit, 
we may see maybe Jalen Watson elevated into it. Maybe Rashad Fenton brought back into the fold a little bit quicker. But I think that they feel comfortable with the length on the outside of Joshua Williams and the way that Spags wants him to play out there enough to where they're going to trust the rookie to start week one. The only other answer and the correct answer is Rashad Fenton. Because I do think, like, the way you hear Spagnolo talking about Rashad Fenton, they know what they have in him. They know, they, see, Spagnolo said they've put, he's played some good football for us, specifically on the boundary. Uh, that was a direct quote from Steve Spagnolo. I don't think the bar is super high at this point to clear for Rashad Fenton to step in day one and get his snaps back as the starting third cornerback. I like Joshua Williams. I think Joshua Williams is doing everything in his power to take that opportunity and run with it, but there's still enough blind spots, literally uh, <laughs> locate the football that I think there's probably a reason, you know, to, to, to give him a little bit more seasoning before throwing him to the wolves in week one. Give me Rashad Fenton. What do you, do you, do you remember another cornerback that Steve Spagnuolo trusted that was long and physical on the outside that also had some blind spots to the football and, just got paid a whole lot of money by San Francisco this offseason. Yeah, he didn't have him his rookie year. Weird. <laughs> he didn't play his first year in Kansas City until the end of the year either. Weird. Um, oh. oh. I'm with Kent. Kent surprisingly locks up 200 points here with Rashad Fenton, who sounds where Andy Reid like he's close. He's on track to come back soon, it sounds like, as long as health permits. And as of right now, I have every reason to believe it will. I think Rashad Fenton, even with limited camp, steps out onto the field as the cornerback three. Will he maybe rotate a little bit like they've done with cornerbacks throughout the years throughout a game? Maybe, but I think he takes your first rep outside corner. Josh Williams has been a lot of fun. I think you've seen some weaknesses, some reason to think that, woo, if he's your cornerback three in week one, that's not good. Not that Fitton has been significantly better, don't get me wrong, but I think you've seen enough chinks in the armor of Joshua Williams to be a little, eh, Okay, you know, I don't feel great about it. His ability to keep in phase and play the ball greatly diminished. He seems to two-hand lunge a lot and miss his press, which is something that Charvarius Ward did not do as much. Charvarius Ward True. got a lot better with that. So I just I think that it might be a later half of the year before Josh Williams takes that role. I'm gonna lean with Fenton and play the injury risk. Do we think that a healthy Rashad Fenton that couldn't keep my cues from getting reps? is good enough to keep Joshua Williams a player that Steve Spagnuolo has drafted off of the list. Yes, because when I listened to them talk about Joshua Williams, they said we didn't like his tape. We liked the person. <laughs> That's true. They did. They <laughs> like his film room. They don't love his tape. You're right. I mean, it's a big jump for him, too. Like, we're, it is. Don't diminish like jump. We All didn't right, expect Kent, him you, to be sorry in to this cut competition you guys off. right This now. game has got to roll on. What? I'm surprised. Is youthful this youthful Regis on a time? Like, is is he on a clock? points up. If you keep, you're going to delay a game penalty and lose 100 points if you keep going. All right, I, I am going to contest the results since Kent went twice in a row. You know, a couple questions. It is your I turn, did it. <laughs> it is your I turn, Kent, to choose between stats for 100 or miscellaneous for 100. Uh, give me miscellaneous for 100. Will the Chiefs have more rush touchdowns or more pass touchdowns inside the three-yard line this year? Uh, they will. They will have more pass touchdowns inside no no they're gonna go no i i i'm trying to i'm trying to answer it for maddie now this quickly 
Oh, they're gonna have more rushing touchdowns inside the three yard line because they have a really strong interior offensive line and they're gonna they've got a good stable of backs. They're gonna try to pound the ball a little bit more inside the three yard line. They're not gonna get as cute. Hey Craig, who's the quarterback for the Chiefs? Yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes. They're gonna have more okay, points inside the three yard line, but they're throwing the ball for more touchdowns, baby. So hard. I was trying so hard. You could have locked up a win there. Now it's all in Craig's. You know, it's no, you would have found if a way to. You would have found a way. If he gets this correct, it's a tie game, and we got to go to sudden death. So, Craig, stats for one hundred. Does the Chiefs' interior defensive lineman, not named Chris Jones, combine for more than eight sacks this year? That's what they had last year. Non-Chris Jones interior defensive lineman had eight sacks. Do they surpass that this year with Joe Colon, who every defensive lineman? has been going bananas about in their interviews. Man, no, I don't I don't think so because I don't think that we're going to see as much of the interior defensive linemen on the field in the dime. I think we're going to see more of the NASCAR package. We've seen a lot more Mike Dana on the inside, so we're seeing a lot more of the defensive ends kicking inside. Jaron Reed was part of the dime package. He was. He played a lot of snaps in the dime for this team. I think you're going to see some rotation there. But when you're talking about guys like Derek Nottie, when you're talking about Stallworth, when you're talking about Colin Saunders, like those aren't guys right now to this date that have shown that they're going to show up and rush the passer at an elite clip. As much as I love Derek Nottie, I think we saw the best sack season that we are going to see from Derek Nottie last year. And so they're going to move defensive ends inside. So no, they are not hitting that value. I have no one to blame but myself. That was this is true. This is that, I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to say more. I did, but then I went and investigated. Derek Nottie getting three snack, sacks doesn't seem repeatable. Jaron Reed had two and a half. I rounded that up to three to get to the eight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, do they have someone that's going to copy no. that? Tershawn Wharton's your only guy. If you, called it, like if you called it six, I'd still take the under. I, uh, it's, I, have, if, I, if I I'll be honest. Six, I, I think like Kirk can have a four or five sack season. I think he's playing really Doubling. well. Doubling. Mm. Yeah, I, I just Derek Naughty's stats aren't repeatable. Colin Saunders uh, is on the team, and uh, is he? <laughs> probably. Sorry. I'm sorry, I don't see it at all. Like I don't think I think outside of I, I don't love the depth along the interior of the off- offensive line. I think it's three players. I don't have confidence in Colin Saunders at this point. Taylor Stallworth, I really don't. So, like, I mean, they've got three capable guys, and that's it. So, outside of Chris Jones, I think Derek Nottie and Tershawn Wartner combining for six sacks. I'm not sure. Might be all Tied at 700 points right now. It is time. First one to get this answer correct wins the whole shebang. It's a race. Kent, you are in this. The kid has a chance. Who is the Chiefs MVP in 2022? Travis Kelsey. (laughs) Craig wins the game. It's Travis Kelsey. As we all know, yet again, the minor takes out the kid. Ken Swanson is still winless in every single game hosted on this podcast network. Craig, who would you like to thank? Give a speech. I would like to thank Youthful Regis for having a very predictable MVP and allowing me to get the win on this one. Um, It's great. It's great. Matt is great. Youthful Regis is great. Close this out, Youthful. (laughs) 
Thank you guys for joining us here for the KC Laboratory Live. We appreciate it. If you guys enjoyed the show, like and subscribe. Make sure to stay tuned to KC Sports Network for every day. You get the KCSN Daily. You get updates nonstop. We got Eddie High. We got Tuck. We have everybody out at camp. Jump over to the Substack. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Kent's walking off out of anger of his own fault. Bye, everybody. Catch you later in the week as we prepare for the Chiefs' first game. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.